How's everybody doing this morning? I'm going to catch just that one last one that just popped in there on the screen. And uh, she'll probably get a double double dose of good mornings here. But good morning to Fran as well. Uh, we're ready to get into our day. We're going to finish up Acts 13. It's taken us three, week, uh, three weeks, three days, uh, three sessions to work our way through uh, this particular chapter, we're going to keep on going here uh, in Acts 13, talking about the missionary journeys of uh, uh, missionary journeys of uh, Paul and Barnabas. Now, remember, we started this chapter. <clears throat> it was the missionary journey of Barnabas and Paul. Part way through, there was a leader shift that took place as Paul began to become the the prominent. Uh, leader uh, of the team, 
Uh, and sometimes leadership, we talked about that a little bit yesterday. Uh, we look at uh, leaders' capacities or what gift mix that they bring uh, to the table, what perhaps is needed at that time. Sometimes uh, an organization may need to have a very, a very authoritarian leader. Other times an organization may need to have a much more collaborative leader. And sometimes an organization needs to have a... Um, a delegative leader who knows how to delegate things, uh, or a transformational leader. At times, organizations, churches, schools, camps, businesses need different types of leaders. And sometimes what can happen if we're not careful is we place the wrong kind of leader uh, in an organization at the wrong time. And sometimes organizations don't need any of those. You know, I, I am... I am one that has a little bit of aversion to the highly authoritative leader. Uh, now, you can be an, an authoritative leader who has authority by virtue of your servant leadership. But sometimes authoritarian leaders are just the boss, and they're the ones, they speak and it happens. That's It's not always bad, but sometimes I, I look at that and, and I kind of step back with, with a little bit of a version about that. So um, that's my thought uh, on the authoritarian leader. It's not all bad, uh, but I do have some aversion there. So uh, let's continue uh, over into the text, seeing what it has to say. Uh, and there's a lot more that, that can be said about leadership. I mean, uh, a lot more that can be said. I mean, there are volumes and volumes and volumes of books on leadership, and I referenced a six six geniuses of leadership. I, I forget uh, the title that I referenced. Uh, Patrick Lencioni. Uh, if you put six styles of leadership, Patrick Lencioni in a Google search, it's going to bring it up for you. And uh, I know, uh, I believe Fran found that the other day. So, um, a lot to that. So, as an organization goes through a, a shift. Uh, and I was talking with somebody about this yesterday. Uh, organizations do well to, to create a profile of themselves. What are we like? Where are we going? And the profile of, of a leader. And what do we need to have in a leader? Sometimes a leader, a current leader, needs to say, how do I need to lead perhaps differently in this organization to help it get to the next level? So uh, just to think about those things, uh, sometimes just take it, Face value, go organization on the one hand, leader, just put the two together. But you need to define the organization, need to profile the organization. You know, what are its strengths, what are its weaknesses, where is it on its journey, what type of leadership does it need? And then you need to profile the leader and ask, oh, hang on a second, I'll be right back. Sorry, I'm back with you. The dog did something and made a mess, and I needed to go stop it from getting any worse. So um, anyway, I just want to encourage anybody that's involved in organizations to, to think about things like that. 
if you're a leader, to, add, to, to do some research on leadership styles, uh, determine your style. Sometimes uh, a good leader is able to uh, transition between a different style of leadership. There's a range of leadership styles. In fact, my dissertation had to do with full range of leadership. And uh, so to, to think about as a leader, where do I need to shift? Sometimes it, you, you can be laissez-faire as a leader and just kind of sit back and not be highly uh, engaged in what's happening um, because it's not necessary. And other times you need to be very engaged. And sometimes you need to be transactional. You need to do this, and if you do this, I'll do this. Other times transformational. Much, much, much to study uh, about uh, leadership. Leadership differentiated from management, actually. But there are also... Uh, managing leaders. And you have to have both leadership and management. You can't have one without the other uh, and be successful. Both must be there. And you have some leaders that are very, very good managers, but don't mistake management as leadership. Management is about doing things right. Leadership is about doing the right things. So let me get us into the text here. Okay, here in... uh, Acts 13, we're picking up at verse 43. Again, they are in the area that we now know as Turkey, in Antioch, Turkey. Uh, And verse 43, when the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews, uh, and in fact, verse 42, as Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things the next Sabbath. So they're invited back. The, The teaching was helpful. They're invited back. Uh, to to communicate things the next Sabbath. It says, When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who walked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. So walking along, and there, there's a lesson here for us in verse, 30, uh, verse 43, to learn how to walk along life and to speak to people. You know, we, we tend to think, well, I have to be in a Bible study for, for this type of thing to happen. No, as you walk along life, as you walk along the harbor walk, as you, uh, uh, as you walk along the rail trail, uh, as, uh, as you're driving to an event, uh, uh, as uh, you're, you're standing in line at the grocery store, uh, these conversations can happen like we read in verse 43, who talked with him. Uh, and urge them to continue in the grace of God uh, as they're dismissing. You know, Paul and Barnabas are, are walking along. It says, verse 43, they followed Paul and Barnabas. So learning how to uh, to follow and to talk and to disciple all at the same time. Picking up, it says, verse 44, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Interesting, the whole city. I mean, what would it take for the whole city? Uh, Perhaps a different approach. You know, if if we did what we typically do a lot of times in our churches, you're not going to gather in Belfast, Maine, a whole crowd of people. The gospel needs to be communicated. The apologetic needs to be different. Uh, we, we just tend to approach it. The Bible says you're wrong. You're an idiot. End of conversation. And, and the conver- and, and I mean, 
and we think we're right in that. And, and perhaps in the end of the estimation, we're right in the fact that others' ways of looking at things, uh, like uh, a little girl grew, was growing up in a Christian home, and she said, well, I'm Christian because my mom and daddy are Christian. And the Sunday school teachers said to them, so what if your mommy and daddy didn't believe in Jesus? Uh, and you'd think, well, she's going to, so her response is, well, then I, I, I guess if my mom and daddy didn't believe in Jesus, that would, uh, I would think that they're idiots. <laughs> that was her response uh, uh, to the teacher, you know, uh, The message can be communicated in ways that creates interest for people, that people would want to hear more. And, and I think that's something we need to think about. Uh, and I thought about that if we were to plant a church in Belfast. We don't need to plant another church like our own church. We don't need to plant another church like Calvary Chapel. We don't need to plant another church like Christ the King. Uh, we need to figure out how would we plant a church that would appeal to the people so that, as we just read in this text, it says the whole city came out. You know, could we have a much more apologetic approach? When I say apologetic, I don't mean to like saying I'm sorry, but apologetic at, at um, casually and confidently uh, being able to defend the truth of Scripture. Um, that that's what I'm talking about uh, in in defending. It, it's fascinating to me that the whole city came out, and and I do think I mean we've tried the same doing the same approach the same way in the same city, and to me it just seems like a different approach with the same message needs to happen, and I I, I ponder upon that, uh, uh, frankly, uh, how it could be done differently so that as we read in verse 44, the next Sabbath the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Verse 45, when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against what Paul was saying. Um, they didn't like it. Why? They didn't like it because they didn't like the crowds. I mean, it'd be, it'd be like churches in, in, in our day, uh, you know, not like in a, another church. Well, they, they have all the crowds. Well, maybe they have figured out how to do worship in a way that, that appeals to a different type of culture, a different type of person, uh, or sometimes it, it's, it's the presentation that, that, that happens in such a way that has an appeal to people. And sometimes we want to dismiss those things, uh, and, and I've seen people uh, dismiss those things, uh, and I don't think we should. Uh, I don't think there's anything at all wrong with with uh, contemporary worship. I don't think there's anything wrong with lights and things of that nature, or even some some fog or some smoke in a worship service. Uh, especially if you're thinking about the glory of God, or 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 how the temple was filled with the glory, filled with smoke, as it were. Especially the holy of holies. I I don't think there's anything wrong with that, as long as we're able to. Uh, get people's feet firmly planted on the Word of God. That is the issue, uh, in my estimation. And, and you know, if, if such draws a crowd of people and you do not give them gospel light in preaching, 
uh, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, you know, some some churches are, are gospel light. There are churches that have uh, uh, that have lots of of that, and they're very very solid. Lots of light, lots of things of that nature, and they're very. Uh, very solid in their presentation of of the gospel. Very solid in what they say between songs. Very solid in what are sung in the songs. Um, and there's an appeal to to I don't want to say just to younger people, uh, but people whose experience of the older way was was like uh, chewing on a bottle of dried parsley. Uh, even the gospel presentation wasn't done well. Maybe it was accurate. But it was poorly done, poorly presented. Remember, I visited a church one time when I first moved to Lancaster. Went with a friend of mine. We're looking for a church we would attend as freshmen in college. And I remember that's exactly what I said to my friend Dan. I said uh, this this church service is like um, this church service is is like chewing on dry parsley. I mean, the content was good, but it was just so poorly presented. So. Presentation has to do something. I I know that there are churches that have all the lights and the and, and sometimes there uh, and show and, and music and robust uh, you know worship team and all that and and they miss the point uh, of the gospel. I know churches that have hymns and pianos and, and they miss the point of the gospel as well. I I, I what I, the reason I'm talking about these things is is I'm talking about the day about the fact that. Uh, uh, as Paul and Barnabas spoke, a whole the whole town came out to hear them. Uh, and I, I can picture a church planter that because they're planting a church, and if they're going to sound like uh, Veracity or like Calvary, or uh, they might not attract a crowd of people. They would think, well, it's so good. Well, maybe it is good, but you haven't thought about the audience that you're trying to reach with the gospel. Just something to think about, something to ponder uh, as we think about the whole city coming out to hear the word of the Lord. And beyond all that, I think what is necessary is prayerfulness. We need to see prayerfulness if we're going to see things like whole cities come out to hear the gospel. So let let me continue on here in the text. Uh. They were filled with jealousy. They talked abusively. Verse 46, Paul and Barnabas Barnabas answered boldly, we had to speak the word of God to you first. Speaking to the Jews, since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Jews. He basically said, look, it's your own fault. You rejected the message. So we bring it to those who are interested in hearing it. Verse 47, this is what the Lord has commanded us. I've made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth, quoting Old Testament there. Uh, when the Gentiles heard this, they were they were glad and honored the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. Now, it, the idea of appointed for eternal life, there is this, this aspect of an irresistible grace. There is this aspect of, of God tapping on the heart. John 6, 44 says, unless the... The Father draw people, they will not believe. So the work of the Spirit in the Gentiles' lives in such a way that they believed and received eternal life. Verse 49, 
the word of the Lord spread through the whole region. But the Jews incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust from their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. It says the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Verse 49, the word of the Lord spread through the whole region. It does not matter to me uh, whether we're talking about Maine, whether we're talking about Pennsylvania, uh, whether we're talking about um, Virginia, whether we're talking about India, whether we're talking about Africa, whether we're talking about Israel. Our desire is to see the word of the Lord spread through the whole region. And my prayer is, and this is happening in the state of Maine, there are more and more groups coming together to say, how can we work together to plant churches? How can we work together to revitalize churches so that the gospel will spread all throughout Maine? And... uh, That's the desire that we have to see the gospel spread in that type of a way. I hope that's your desire. Uh, And and it will, sometimes it requires a leader shift, uh, a shift of of what the leaders focus on um, and a shift of what a particular church focuses on, uh, a shift among leaders. There's all kinds of things that can happen in that way. But friends, it's my prayer that we would be people who desire and pray toward the spread of the word of the Lord through through whatever region you live in, that it would happen. And I will tell you, and I, I don't know what our Indian friends are seeing in India, like Santhus or uh, Regala, but uh, I know there are places in India where the gospel is spreading and people are believing in Christ uh, in, in large, large, large numbers. Uh, even in the midst of their suffering, and sometimes the suffering uh, adds uh, to the desire of people to respond to the Lord, as even uh, Santhus is talking about uh, in the comments there, and has talked about for several days, and we are praying with them about God providing things like water and food and for the needs, and Regala has shared the same. I would look forward to meeting you perhaps someday. Uh, we, we tend to not send money to people we haven't yet met or or people that aren't directly connected with people that we're directly connected with yet, and uh, so we try to get people connected. Uh, I, for you, I would encourage you to uh, see what you can learn about big life, uh, and I'm not sure what region, what area you might be in, but big life is in India, and it is spreading uh, the gospel in incredible ways. So, you know, th- that we would uh, be people who are prayerful toward that end. And that is a connection I would make to you, to a group uh, that has lots of connection. Uh, and uh, there, there may be direct help right there uh, in India. Uh, and I, I will try to get some information for you, uh, perhaps, uh, to connect. I, I know I can't get to that right this morning, but I will try to get information uh, for you. It says, the word Lord spread through the whole region. Uh, we talked about the, the Jews. I mean, they're troublemakers. They're troublemakers even among Christians. They're troublemakers even in churches. It isn't just the town folk 
that are troublemakers. Sometimes you have uh, people who are troublemakers right within the church stirring up problems because they want it their way. And they can often be those who are standing in the way of the spread of the gospel because they want their preferences. Verse 51 talked about the shaking off of the dust from their feet. Um, Jesus had said to do that back in Matthew and Luke. You can see Jesus said, if you if they won't receive you, shake the dust off your feet and go elsewhere. It's kind of like a, a witness against people. We're going to shake the dust off our feet and go elsewhere because you uh, have rejected the message. And so we're, we're witnessing against you that, that uh, you know, may... May it be for you like Chorazin. May it be for you like Sidon, uh, or for like Gomorrah, Sidon, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, or Chorazin, are some of those areas that suffered uh, judgment at the hands of God for their rejection of the message of God. So he says, "Shake the dust from your feet and protest." And it says they went to Iconium. Now there was a note that I saw over in the comments. Let me. Pick up on this, uh, Don, uh, doing some of the research for us. I, Iconium is the Latin name of the ancient city of uh, uh, Konya uh, in Turkey. So uh, you might look up Konya and uh, and see what, what that city is uh, on your maps. I don't have that for you here this morning, but you know many of these places that we reference in our study uh, are still cities today. And uh, still cities today. And they may have different names. Uh, and, and it's something, uh, Antakya uh, is the city that was uh, devastated by earthquake. That's the ancient city of Antioch in Syria. Um, those are some examples. It's fascinating to go to those places and, and realize that you're standing in cities that were um, that were there in Paul's day. Absolutely amazing. And I hope some of you get to go on some trips like that to experience some things uh, like that. Verse 52 said, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Friends, that's my prayer for you today. It's my prayer that you will be filled with joy with the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's my prayer that, and I appreciate Claire you saying this. Sorry if I'm a troublemaker. Sometimes God is God is molding all of us. Uh, our issue comes when, when when we press our preferences and, and and churches. Unfortunately, in America, we still have in some churches these things called worship wars. We have to have the hymns because that's God's music. Oh come on, give it a break. Um, there are people who say that, and, and they refuse to to see God in contemporary worship. And I'm thankful that you have people whose hearts are connected with Christ writing new music, so that that uh, because God is at work in their life. I want to continue to see contemporary music written, and uh, so I, I find Jesus in all of it. If it's heretical, if it's wrong. Uh, if it's too man-centric and not enough Christ-centric, then may there be changes there. Uh, but but and there's all kinds of preferences, you know, that, that people have color preferences, temperature preferences, version of Bible preferences, all kinds of things that. And that's why we've run amok in America. We get all 
focused on those things and when our hearts aren't broken for a world that needs to know Christ. So uh, anyway, we're, we're at the end of the hour. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. Lord, it is my prayer that you will be at work in our hearts, that we would be filled with joy, that we'd be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we would long to see the works of God like Paul and uh, Barnabas were experiencing in their day. Lord, it's our prayer for our friends in India uh, that you would provide for their needs, water, food. Uh, so, so we pray for the needs that are there, Lord, for Santhus and, and others uh, in, in difficult places, our friends in Malawi or our friends in uh, South, uh, South Sudan or other places. Lord, we pray for them. And help us in a place like America to be aware to be engaged, and uh, to be prayerful for, for places and other places of the world, uh, and uh, to do our part. If, if you put on our heart to do something, to, to help in those places, and maybe to do it with a little bit less for ourselves here, that we might be kingdom instruments in other places around the world. Lord, use us for the honor and glory of Jesus, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, you have a great day. I'll let you go. I'll see you uh, over the weekend, perhaps. See you then.